This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Well, I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I would have been happy with a split between Atlanta and the Mets. But I end up with Atlanta taking three or four. And while I'm still very confident in the Mets, very confident, not nervous, understood that Atlanta was going to always be around, five and a half is better than three and a half. (laughs) The positive thing for me as a Mets fan, as obviously Atlanta beats the Mets 3-2, The positive for me as a Mets fan, the Mets have Philly. Atlanta's facing Houston this weekend. So I think the Mets have a chance to pick up some games on Atlanta. But once again, Atlanta now three and a half behind the Mets. And they have three more head-to-head, I believe, three or four more head-to-head matchups back down in Atlanta. And that will happen late next month. So tough night for the Mets. Uh, it was interesting. Jacob DeGrom was ro- rolling along, gave up two runs in an inning, and then uh, Mark Connor came back, had a two-run home run to tie it, and you sense the momentum changing. But uh, listen, Atlanta was better on this night. And you're looking at this Met offense a little bit, and listen, Max Fried is a heck of a pitcher. He's one of the top lefties in the game. So with them being able to get two runs off of him, you kind of hoped that they would find a way once they got into that Atlanta bullpen to get some more runs. They couldn't do it tonight, so your hats are off to the Atlanta ball club, and they take three of four against the Mets to move into, as I mentioned, to move uh, just now three and a half behind New York. As far as the Yankees are concerned, it was amazing. Last night after we left, you would have think, thought that Josh Donaldson could have done something right right before the end of the show, right? Right before the end of the show, just to have a grand slam and, oh, just a just an unbelievable win. And as Michael K. said on the broadcast, boy, did the Yankees need that win. And boy, he is right. They desperately, desperately needed that win last night. And as we came into the game tonight and all the speculation, Is this going to be what gets them going? Can they build upon this? Uh, What's going to happen? They've got a Blue Jays team that's coming in that's also been struggling a little bit. Can they turn things around? Can they do? And right away, before you could sit down and relax, the Yankees are down 5 0. Now, There are very few pitchers like Luis Castillo. We understand it. Very few. He is one of the elite arms in the game. So you were unable to get him. And you've had your eye on Frankie Montas for the past couple seasons. I've heard his name mentioned as possibly coming to the Yankees for the past couple seasons. There was a thought that, okay, this is the first game at the stadium. All right, he's going to really be on point. He had two games on the road. The first one you throw out because of the situation he was coming in, hadn't pitched for 10, 12 days, uh, was coming off a bereavement leave, you know, 
new team, all the emotions and everything. Okay, we'll we'll scratch that one for right now. You come back to second outing was better, but not what you expect from a number two starter. Okay. This one tonight was awful. Okay. There's no other way to describe it. His performance tonight was awful. As the Yankees trail 9-2 with Toronto batting in the top of the first. Here was the line on Montas. Six innings, eight hits, six earned runs, two strikeouts. Okay. He gave up a home run to Vladi Dadi Jr. with two on and two out. Six runs and eight hits in six innings. The only thing positive that he did tonight was go six innings so you didn't have to burn your bullpen out for this four-game series. That's the only positive thing he did tonight. He was awful. And listen, it may may still turn out to be a really good trade. Hopefully, he'll get accustomed to his surroundings. Hopefully, he'll get better. Hopefully, he'll give you what we call a mean, not a meaningful start, but you know, a start where you he goes six innings and gives up two runs. Okay, maybe he'll do that. But his first, I'm throwing the first one out. His two outings since he after he arrived since the first outing, like I said, I'm throwing that one away. But the last two outings, he's been awful. He's gotten progressively worse. And that's not going to help the Yankees. I mean, he is not pitching like a number two starter. He is pitching more like a back end of the rotation starter. He's pitching like a fourth or fifth start. And listen, nobody said that the Yankees were going to go on a roll and win eight out of ten or something of that nature, which they still could do. Nobody said that that was guaranteed because they got the grand slam home run in a in an emotional game from Josh Donaldson last night. But could you let your team get rolling? (laughs) I mean, this has still been the team that has struggled offensively. Okay, this has still been the team that has not really been able to string successful run-producing innings together in a while. They, they had a bunch of runs last night, which was tremendous. Okay. Eight runs is great. Eight runs. Man, they had nine in their previous amount of games, <laughs> including which they've been shut out four times. So the fact that they had eight was amazing. So it doesn't mean that they're exactly, okay, now we turn the switch on. We're just going to start hitting and scoring eight, nine runs a game. You knew that wasn't the case. So your job as the starter Against, listen, a very potent Toronto lineup. It's not an easy lineup. I get it. But could you at least give your team a chance to look at Barrios and see what see what they could do? I mean, they come up to bat the second time. The Yankees do it at home, and they're down 5 nothing. I mean, this has not been a good trade. And for all the people who don't like Brian Cashman and who criticize him and everything, they are at the top of the step yelling and screaming about what he has brought to the table with this, with this, you know, this acquisition. 
along with another player whom you traded for who you won't see on the field till next month. So while I'm usually uh, defensive and usually defend Brian Cashman because I think he knows what he's doing for the most part, right now this Montas deal is not looking good. Hopefully, once again, hopefully he'll turn things around and he'll get better. But at the beginning right now, (laughs) woo. And then you end up seeing Castillo and he shuts you down three, three times. Once with Cincinnati and then twice with Seattle. 1-800-919-3776. We'll take your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Yankees coming up in the bottom of the ninth, trying to see if they have another miracle in there. This would be something. This would be something. But you never know. By the way, there is a preseason football game going on. It is the Chicago Bears and the Seattle Seahawks. That's a nice play. Too bad it was out of bounds. Battle of quarterbacks. And listen, um, the former Jet, Geno Smith, is right now the starter for Seattle. And he didn't play badly. Didn't get him in the end zone, but he didn't play badly. Uh, 10 of 18 for 112 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Sacked twice for loss of 16 yards. Not bad. The problem is he didn't get in the end zone. <laughs> so that's, that was the concern. Trevor Simeon is the starter for Chicago right now. Justin Fields is the backup. Justin Fields, uh, you know, efficient. 5 of 7 for 39 yards. Trevor Simeon. 8 of 15 for 48 yards in the touchdown. Not a lot of explosiveness in this game, huh? (laughs) Not a lot. Bears are up 24-0. Not a lot of, uh, you know. And really, for the casual football fan of a team like Chicago and Seattle, after halftime, you're, eh, okay. Let me, what else is on? The Chrisley's on tonight? (laughs) Uh, you know, what else can I watch? Maybe it's time to go Hulu. Go Netflix action. Because, and listen, I understand the game's on ESPN, but if you're not a fan of these two teams, after halftime, what are you looking at? You're just, you're, you're just, you're, because most of these, some of these guys you're looking at right now, they're going to be in the, won't be on the team in two weeks, much less during the season. So that's the tricky thing there. That's the tricky thing. Once again, and we'll get your thoughts on the Yankees' loss in a minute, but I, I want to talk a little bit more about the Mets because tonight I thought Jacob DeGrom pitched very well. Was he the lights-out DeGrom, the dominating DeGrom that he's been since he's been back? No, he was not the unhittable DeGrom, but he was pretty darn good. Okay, it's pretty darn good. Six and two-thirds innings, five hits, three runs, nine strikeouts. I mean, it seems like, you know, he only the Braves can score on him. 
But he's, uh, you know. Now, once again, the major thing tomorrow, and the more he pitches, the more comfortable I'm getting that he's okay. And I'm almost ready to say he's okay. I- I'm almost ready to say he he's good. I don't have to worry about him. I don't have to worry about any injuries, any recurring anything. I'm good. So I'm 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 feeling good. I'm feeling confident. And he pitched well. And he threw 85. He threw 95. Yeah, he threw 95 pitches tonight, which is the most he has thrown since he's returned. And once again, three runs on five hits. That's not bad. It's it's not Degrom, but it's not bad. And once again, you're in the scenario where the Mets don't score a lot of runs for their ace. Okay, and just think they 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 came within an eyelash of being swept in Atlanta. They came within an eyelash of being swept. If the ball bounces a different way last night, and they end up and and. DeGrom, and not DeGrom, uh, Pete Alonso was walked instead of pitched to. Last night could have been a different situation. We don't know. Obviously, you have the, you, obviously you think, well, listen, uh, with Edwin Diaz in there, as dominant as he's been, okay, we get this lights out. There's no question about it. You feel that way because of the way he's been. I mean, you saw what he did in the eighth inning last night. It was great. But once again, now you're starting to look at some injuries. And you're looking at injuries in the pitching. We already know about Carlos Carrasco. He's going to be out probably about a month. And now we'll hear from Tyron Walker. And Tyron Walker, as you know, left after the second inning of the game. And the Mets had to go to the bullpen to get some things done. Now uh, we're trying to see when he's going to go again. He's He's been diagnosed with a disc problem in his back. Here's uh, Tyrone Walker detailing his injury. Yesterday, I was still sore. Felt better, but I was still sore. But, um, you know, we've been doing a lot of treatment, a lot of exercises, and um, just trying to stabilize the core and stuff. And today, I felt really good. Played catch 60 feet. That felt good. Got on elliptical, did a little modified uh, lower body workout. So everything's moving in the right direction. Uh, so how are you feeling? A lot better than expected. Tuesday, I would say, was a lot, a lot of pain. One of the worst pain I've ever felt. So to where I'm at today, I'm, I'm, I'm a little shocked. But, uh, yeah, we're definitely moving in the right direction. All right, so now the question becomes, will he be ready to go? He is scheduled to be the pitcher on Sunday against the Phillies in Philly. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not rushing him back. That's a disc problem in the back. I'm not rushing him. If he has to miss a start, I'm good with him missing a start. Because now he's my number four starter. He's not number five. He's not. He's 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 number four. He moves ahead of Carrasco because Carrasco's not there. And already you've got uh, Trevor Williams pitching one of the games in the doubleheader on Saturday. So, some injuries starting to creep up with your starting rotation. And as I mentioned last night, while I am gaining a little bit more confidence in the Met bullpen, I'm still not there. Adovino is, as I don't have to tell Yankee fans about him, Adovino is a tightrope walk, tight walking act. 
for me. Some days he is excellent. Other days, <laughs> not so much. All right? And those are the things that get you concerned because you understand going forward, when you're in the playoffs, you have to have a bullpen. Yes, I know, and I keep telling you and telling myself about starters that's going to go to the pen, yeah. But you know what? That's something that you have to prepare them for. All right, and that's what you do. Hopefully, we went through the schedule last night, ladies and gentlemen, where we talked about how it's it's pretty much a really easy schedule for the Mets in September. It's pretty easy. Not a lot of over 500 teams that they're going to face. So here's where you can start to experiment a little bit. We're bringing you know, former starters out of the pen and pitching inning or two and see how they do, Start how long it takes them to warm up. Because being mentally, being a starter and being a reliever is totally two different things. All right, totally different. As a starter, you're prepared. You go four or five days, so this is what I do. I do my running, I do my side, throwing on the side, I do this, I do that. You have a you, you know, you have a schedule, you have a routine. As a reliever, you could be called, you go to the game knowing that you could be called every day. Anytime, at any time, at any time, any day, in any inning. And so that's a different mindset. That's a different preparation. And when you're going in as a reliever, as a former starter, you don't get a couple of innings to warm up and get loose and make adjustments to find the strike zone or if this is not working, that's not working. If I'm bringing you in, I need you to shut them down right away. I don't need you to play around and say, well, you know, I got to work on this. Well, okay, this time around I see, well, they're hitting the fastball a little bit. Okay, next inning I'll make my adjustments and go to the off-speed side. No, no, no. I need you to be ready to roll when you come in to shut this opposition down. So it's different. It's a different mindset. And everybody just, even though you think you can't, it's pitching, everybody can't do that. Everybody just can't roll in out of the pen as a starter and say, okay, this is what I can do. It takes, you know, some people can, all right? But a lot can. And if you're not used to doing that and you're not mentally prepared and you're coming into a stressful situation, into a, a key game in the postseason, all right, it, it's a no-brainer. You have to be prepared to know how that works and how you get, to, how you are prepared for that. So it'll be interesting to see how, uh, you know, the Met pitchers adjust. 1-800-919-3776. We'll take your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. He's had hits in back-to-back games. He played a really good – he's been really good in the field except for that play that led to the, the score. In this, in this game tonight. So, uh, you know, that was I thought it was a tough play. But I, I've been impressed with him. I've been impressed with him. And, and, and I like what I see from him. And I'm listening to Keith Hernandez on the broadcast. He talks about the swing and everything. Now, listen, there were some concerns about him and his ability to play uh, the field. There was some concerns. That's some of the things that you had heard reporters and scouts saying that was one of the reasons that they were, you know, going to take their time to bring him up. Hitting was not an issue. It was fielding. So with that in mind, Buck Showalter was asked after the loss tonight 
with Grissom reaching base, was that a tough play for the young man? Here's what the, the Met skipper had to say. No, I was, good. I was glad that he uh, stopped it. He's, he's doing well. You know, you, you always want a young player to get off well offensively because it's, it's somewhat of a challenge. It doesn't seem like a whole lot with him so far, but you also want to see him get off well defensively, and uh, he's done that. He made a couple uh, He's made a couple of really good plays there, and uh, just getting to that ball. I haven't looked at the overhead and everything, and I'm just uh, I'm, uh, happy for him, and it's, it's good for his... Uh, you know, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, development or whatever, good for us that he's kind of gotten off on both phases of the game. Good runner. I got him like 4-3 uh, down the line. That's a, as advertised. Listen, offensively, he's done well. And there's going to be some times when he's going to struggle because he's new. The league will catch up. The league will scout him. They'll, they'll see where his weak spots are, and he'll struggle. And then for a young player, it is okay how do you counter-adjust to the adjustment? It's that ultimate chess match, right? How do you counter-adjust to the adjustment that they make to you? And that's where we'll find out how good he'll be, okay, when he does that. He made, you know, it was a tough play. Uh, before that, he made some great plays. Has a strong arm, does some nice things. Um, but I, I like what I see from him. I do. That's why you bring up young kids, right? That's why you bring them up. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to the phones. Let's start with Mike in Manhattan. Mike, you're batting leadoff on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, Larry. Good evening. Yeah, I'm a lifelong Mets fan, and tonight's Mets game, I knew they were losing when in the third inning when Beatty got that hit, and, and he held up. You can't hold it, Mark Canna, for, from a can. I don't care if there's no one. I knew they weren't scoring. They weren't winning that game. And it's time to bring up, okay, they brought up 80. Now it's time to bring up the number one prospect because the Mets security is, oh, we don't want to rush him. We don't want to put him in the penitentiary. How come the Braves can call up two guys from AA and, and they're, they're tearing it up and they have no problems? With and my own criticism about Bucky's done a great job, but you never see the Mets do a hit and run. And nobody ever gets it right. Like Nimmo's playing every day, every inning. Lindor's plays every game, doubleheader every inning. He's got to start figuring out how to rest the guys. All right, Mike, thanks for the phone call. This is going to be at Harvey, JP, mark this down. This has got to be, for me, and I've done a number of shows in a number of different slots. Guys, this has got to be the first time that I heard somebody complain that players weren't getting rested. <laughs> In this era of sabermetrics, when they decide in February and they look at the schedule and they say, you know what, he's being rested now. He's being rested on August 19th. We're going to rest him. And people have been just furious about it, upset, can't believe it. Here's somebody that says that Buck doesn't rest his guys enough. He needs to do a better job resting them. That is outstanding. Mike, I hear what you're saying. And there was a, there was, I was reading a couple of weeks ago where Showalter and Francisco Lindor, and there was a question about why doesn't he rest Lindor, and Lindor doesn't want to come out of the lineup. Lindor is like Jeter was. But once again, let me just have the disclaimer. I'm not comparing Lindor to Derek Jeter. I'm just using this idea to say both of them really love to play. And I don't care whether it was Joe Torre, I don't care whether it was uh, Joe Girardi. 
it was always a negotiation to try to get Jeter to take a day off if he was healthy. If he was healthy, he felt like he should play. And that's really what Francisco Lindor does too. I think if memory serves me correct, and I have to look, and I'll do that during the break, I think that Nimmo has had a couple of day, a day or so off recently. Um, when I think Nyquil was in center and Kana was in left, or it was the reverse, something like that. But I do believe Nimmo's had a day. I hear what you're saying. Um, he's a kid. He'll he'll learn. That's why you bring him up. You know there's going to be mistakes. You know, but you believe the experience and the production will outweigh the mistakes. Yeah, I hear what you're saying about him. But, and I I have no problem with them bringing up this catcher who's been unbelievable. I agree with you. I would like to see him too because they're getting nothing offensively out of the catcher's position. Nothing. Rob's in the Big Apple. What's up, Rob? Hey, what's going on, Larry? It's it's it's, it's Rob up in Mass. How are you? Hey, Rob, what's going on, my friend? I'm from the big I'm the big apple. I know. I, <laughs> anyway. I decided to move. I decided to move you tonight instead of being in Massachusetts. <laughs> I decided to bring you closer. When I first started calling my boy, my buddy Art Russ Jr., I was Rob in Westchester. That's a long wow, time ago, Larry. Wow. That's the high legend. school days in the in the eighties and the seventies. Anyway, Arthur yeah. George. I miss Art. Yeah, I miss Art a lot. Yeah, he was great. I miss Arthur George. He was he was the man. We got together many a few times. He was a great guy. Um, you know, I'm so glad the momentum really carried over after Donaldson's home run last night. You know, really, I, uh, I, I Frankie Montez, another Oakland acquisition. Boy, I tell you, Cashman loves guys from Oakland. Sonny Gray, Frankie Montez. I don't know what to make of this team now. I know that you know Matt Carpenter was such a huge loss. You think huge. about left-handed bat. See, my biggest problem with Cashman is he acquires too many right-handed guys. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer is for this. I mean, I, I can't really blame Boone. It's just I don't know what you know. It's it, the funny thing is I saw the statistic that Michael Cape threw up tonight, and uh, Michael said that the Orioles since May 17 have a better record than the Yankees. Now, when you look at the Yankee payroll and you look at the Orioles payroll and you look at the talent, I mean, the Orioles got some young, talented players. But look at this team. We took this team, you know, from being a young team in 17 with all the baby bombers to making it an old team. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cashman, to me, there's some criticism that has to be there, Larry. Yeah, you know, I'll just get is. your thoughts. You know, his construction of the team, the way the team hits, the way the, the situational problems, you know, that they have and issues and so forth. And, I, and there's just way too much right-handed, you know, hitting. So what happens in the playoffs, you get guys like Verlander and those type of pitchers that are dominant against right-handed. So, Anyway, man, thanks for that. One question for you. Who's going yeah. gi- to be the Giants' starting quarterback this year? Daniel Jones, my friend, run? Rob. Daniel Jones. I don't know how long he'll stay the starter. Thanks for the phone right. call. But, but, but he'll be the starter. I don't know how long. <laughs> but I would listen. As long as he plays well, he'll be the starter because they need to see what he can do. It's very simple. As long as he plays well, doesn't turn the ball over, you see a progression, you see some, some improvement from him, you don't see him give up the fumbles. The interceptions have been up and down, but it's really the fumbling that's been the really big issue with him. And I think uh, whoever's one of the calls, I forgot who it was last night. I think it was Buddha, said it's the lack of quarterback awareness that around the pocket. He just he gets so fixated on what's going on downfield and making sure he doesn't throw the interception that he should just throw it away. And, and he's, he hasn't done that. And that's been an issue for him. Brian's in West Palm. Brian, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. I'm a Yankee fan and a Giant fan. I'll give you a quick answer. Daniel Jones has to has to do uh, two 
three drop max and throw the ball. None yep. of this looking downfield. You know what I'm saying? One, two. He has to get rid of the ball within like two seconds, a little more than two seconds. It's pretty easy. I've been watching the Giants. I grew up with Fran Talkington, so I enjoyed Fran when I was growing up. Well, I will say school. this. I will say this, Brian. I'll let you get to the Yankee point. It's easy to say he's got to do one, two, but would it be nice if his receivers had some separation so when he went back on one, two, he had some place to throw it? Galladay no, gives you I no agree. separation, my friend, so he, you can't throw it to him on a two-step drop. <laughs> okay, but but also in response to that, the Giants have to use their their tight end. They have a tight end called Bellinger from San Diego State. He mm-hmm. could be, make the team and start uh, as, a, as a tight end. He's a catching mm-hmm. tight end and also throw – Throw Barkley screen passes. And you know what I'm saying? That. They're doing that. We're okay. See more of that. Okay. Okay. On the my Yankee point, the problems that are the Yankees is what uh, A. Rod said the other night on ESPN on Sunday Night Baseball. The Yankees made a strategically bad move in signing Stanton, who's injury prone and a righty. The Yankees have to get more lefty. And I have an answer. They have a catcher called Austin Wells. He's either playing with Somerset or Scranton. I do believe in Somerset. He's a lefty hitter. And he, I see him on television. He reminds me of like Jason Giambi, something mm-hmm. like that. You know what I'm saying? He has to improve his defense, but he's he'll hit 25, 30 home runs. He's, a, he's, he's already a major league hitter. And I think he'd be an improvement in the Yankee lineup because he's a, a lefty hitter with power, and he hits, uh, he hits down the line. He'll hit like 275, 285. I've seen him play. His defense has to improve. That's his okay. problem. All right. What position does he play again, Brian? Uh, catcher. He's from the University of Arizona. He was okay. a first-round draft choice, I believe, in 2019. He was a stud in the Pac-10. He was like, uh, I, I believe, player of the baseball player of the year in the Pac-10. His name's at Weston Wells, University of Texas, uh, University of Arizona, and uh, the Wildcats from Tucson, Arizona. All right, and he, and he can call. hit already. He just has to improve his defense. I got you. All right, thanks for the call. Uh, they could use another lefty bat. There's no question about it. And, you know, I, I hear what you're saying about Stanton. I hear what A-Rod says about Stanton, but, I mean – Earlier on when he came, I could understand it. But, I mean, the past couple of postseasons, he's been he's been very good. He's been really, really good these past couple of postseasons. I know he misses time. I know. I hear what you're saying. He does. It's, it's tough. It's tough. 1-800-919-3776. We'll take more calls next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Now, before I get back to the calls, I want to go back and talk to Brian a little bit. And Brian from West Palm. Brian, I hear what you're saying about Stanton but and what A-Rod had to say. But it was, at that time, it was either going to be Stanton or Bryce Harper, right? Those were the people that you were thinking. Bryce Harper was, a lot of folks thought he was made to be a Yankee. Once he left Washington, this is where he was going. All right. And the Yankees felt, listen, let's go take Stanton coming off the MVP year, 52 home runs. And even though his contract is long, we think that he actually over the length of the contract, this was their gamble that he would be actually more economical than Bryce Harper would be. 
that was their thought process. All right. So in comparing, just comparing, in comparing the two. All right. Um, and which is amazing. Stanton's played in more games than Harper. So that he's got more played appearances than Harper. He's got more at bats than Harper. Harper has the better batting average. He's got more hits than Harper. Harper has scored more runs, but Stanton has almost 100 more home runs. He's got 154 more RBI. Uh, Harper has 20 more doubles, and he has a lot of triples. And Harper is walks more. And Stanton has struck out about 400 times more. Okay? Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing because Harper's been caught stealing more than Stanton, which is not surprising. Uh, slugging percentage, Stanton's higher. On base percentage, there's about maybe 20 20 points difference between Harper and Stanton. 20. Stanton's been hit by pitch more times than Harper, 10 more times. And Stanton has more total bases. He's got more extra base hits. Um, Harper averages more balls in play, but not by much, by about five, per, five percentage points. And uh, obviously, Stanton has the, has the uh, isolated power. And... You know, the walk percentage goes to Harper, so the strikeout percentage goes to Stanton. And the ball in play percentage is by Harper just a little bit more. So while, and I just chose Harper, the only reason I chose Harper is because that's who was the person that was everybody was talking about coming to the Yankees at that time. It was either, And so they said, well, let's, let's, let's uh, you know, let's roll the dice here with... Um, with Stanton. And I think, while yes, I will concede that Stanton has been hurt a lot. Bryce Harper's been hurt a lot too. Mike's in Myrtle Beach. Hey, Mike, you're next on 98.7. Hello. Hey, Mike, what's happening? Hey, nothing much. Uh, I'm born in Brooklyn. Uh, came down here in Myrtle Beach, but, uh, Work on your golf game, Mike? Is that what you're doing? Working on your golf game down there in Myrtle Beach? <laughs> I literally live on a golf course. But anyway. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no joke. Um, with the Yanks, everyone's getting all upset with this, that, the other thing. I think a huge thing was that they got rid of Sanchez. Because I thought that he was such a detriment. Um where he might have hit a few home runs here or there, yay, yay. But a catcher is like one of the positions that you really can't hide. Uh, you can throw a guy in right field. You could, you know, throw a guy you know, somewhere else. But um, he, um, well, quite frankly, uh, couldn't catch, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, you had a guy on third base, the pitcher, even even the guy on third base would know that, you know, uh, he's not going to throw a curveball uh, in the dirt or, or anything like that as as a batter would um, uh, know that. And, uh, you know, it, it was such a, a travesty, to be honest, 
And I find it funny that the New York media doesn't bring that up anymore. In fact, you don't even hear his name. Uh, and, you know, uh, yeah, he's in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't even think he's catching. I believe he's DHing. Um, but, um, well, I tell you I what, Mike, I tell you what, Mike, and thanks for the phone call. I think most of it is because the Yankees have been playing so well with their first half that nobody would even missed him. <laughs> it really wasn't until you didn't hear him mentioned a lot until they were playing Minnesota. And then you heard about, uh, Sanchez. Listen. The Yankees improved themselves defensively behind the plate. There's no question about it. And really, not not that they've gotten the power numbers, but Trevino has not done badly for them. He he took it over from uh, Higashioka as the number one starter, number one catcher, and he's done a nice job. So you're right. You don't mention Sanchez because, once again, the start that the Yankees got to. And right now, the big issue is the fact that the, whole, the team as a whole is not hitting. And so that's what you're hearing. That's been the big thing. Has been, wow. You knew that the Yankees were going to take a hit with the injuries, right? You don't lose a player like Stanton. You don't lose, you don't have guys like Rizzo in and out of your lineup, LeMayhew in and out of your lineup. You don't have situations like that and it not affect your club. It's just that it's affected them more than anybody expected. I mean, this club looks like they couldn't hit. At all. And you're wondering, like, what happened? What happened to this team? They couldn't hit at all. I mean, for you to be shut out four times in nine games, that's a lot. That's a lot to still have the type of talent that you have on the team. So I think that's why you haven't heard a lot about, uh, about uh, you know, Gary Sanchez not being there. And listen, pitchers are obviously happy because they're not talking about him not being there. Lonnie's in Long Island. What's up, Lonnie? Harry, how are you? Great. Well, I'm a frustrated Yankee fan. I'm tired of Boone. I've seen four or five years of him. He's got to go. He's horrible. Sits in the gun, popping his bubbles. And I'm just, do something. Make something happen. Yell, do something. This team <laughs> is horrible. I'm sick of watching this every night. Then come out, he does the same thing. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I miss Stanton. Once in a while, Stanton will pop a home run. Yeah. The Yankees need some firepower. They do. Toronto is going to blow the doors off us every night. And why didn't we get the pitcher that, that the Mariners got? That's the kid. Because yeah, you needed him. The the guy. You're right. You're right, Lonnie. Thanks for the phone call. You're right. That's that's what you get. But listen, and I heard some other people say, as a matter of fact, I heard Chris Russo, Mad Dog, say this to Stephen A. on first take yesterday. Folks. Aaron Boone, and I, and once again, I don't know what he does in the clubhouse when there's no media around, okay? I don't. And most of the reporters covering the team don't know what's happening in the clubhouse when the media is not around, okay? So let's let me give you that disclaimer. But he got the job because the Yankee front office didn't want their manager berating the players and yelling and screaming. That's why Joe Girardi's not here. Because that's what Joe Girardi did. Joe Girardi told Gary Sanchez, you got to be better as a catcher. There's things you have to do. You got to be better. And he was rewarded with 
See ya. <laughs> he was rewarded with bye. Even though they took that 2017 team to, you know, to the postseason and a deep run in that postseason. All right, so that's not what they want. They don't want managers to do that now. Okay, now, once again, I'm sure when he had his meeting with the team a couple of days ago, he was not whispering sweet nothings in their ear. I guarantee you that. But for the most part, he's not going to do that. That's not, they don't want that. As a matter of fact, most organizations don't want that from their head coach or manager now. That's not what we want. We want a more, you know, calmer, gentler, conversational relationship between the coach and the manager and the team. That's what they want. So you're not going to see him yelling and throwing and doing that in in, in eye shot. Uh, yes, I don't know why they didn't get Castillo. But Lonnie, you're right. They desperately, desperately need needed to make that deal. That was the guy they needed to get. There was two guys they needed to get, Lonnie. Okay, two guys. One was, um, one was is now in San Diego, <laughs> Juan Soto, and the other one is in Seattle. If they could have got those two guys, it would have been a world of difference. There's no question. Even they got one of the two because I, I'm really, listen, our insiders had said that if Soto goes anywhere this season, he's going to San Diego. So it was clear that I don't think the Yankees had a shot. I really don't. It was, they wanted what San Diego offered and that was the deal there. Okay. That, and they made it happen. But Castillo, I don't know what they could have gotten and they desperately needed to get it done. Now, once again, I'm not saying that Montas is going to be Castillo. All right. I'm not saying that, but I do think he will be better than what he's shown so far. At least if you're a Yankee fan, you better hope that he's going to be better than what he's shown so far. Because he has not been good. He just hasn't. And if he's projected to be a guy that you want to pitch in the postseason in either game two or three, that's not, he's not going to make it. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. On 98.7 ESPN.